0: Life if you give your heart and believe what's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Have you ever had a friend that said, I'm behind you, man. I'm all in with you. I want to support you. I want to help you. And then after a little bit of time went on, they either forgot or they got mad at you for something, and they backed off and went and just they abandoned you. And then you've got trust issues. Well, I don't know if I trust him now because he said he would help me, and then he didn't or whatever. You know, what we're going to see here today is that the Lord God has made a covenant with David, and he says, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. And so when the Lord says he's going to do something, he does it. And he's going to stick with it. Uh, Whatever he says he's going to do, he sticks to it. Now, David's gone through a mess. There's some problems he's got to deal with. But that doesn't change the fact that the Lord God said, I will do this covenant. And that was despite David, okay? So that's one thing you can take comfort in with the Lord God is when he says he's going to do something, he does it. So let's go on and look here in 2 Samuel 19 and 1. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. And the people stole back into the city that day as people who are ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, O oh, my son Absalom, O oh Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king And said, today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, and that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Now therefore arise, go out, and speak comfort to your servants, for I swear by the Lord if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night, and that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. David's mourning, it stole everybody's sense of victory. They felt like losers. They didn't feel like winners. And so Joab, he kind of snapped at David. Did you did you catch that attitude that he had? He said, you get out there and you show some appreciation for these people. But do y'all remember how quiet Joab was at Abner's funeral? But here in chapter 19, Joab snapped at David. It almost like he felt like he had the right to do it, to snap at him. In fact, he's going to try to push David around, push David around to the point where eventually later he's going to try to steal the throne away from David by trying to install Adonijah as king instead of Solomon. But by that time, when all this goes down, David will have been so fed up with Joab that he will have Joab executed in the book of First Kings. Now, it's amazing how Joab demanded, David, you need to get out there and speak to the people that saved your throne. But Joab himself is going to try to steal the throne later. Isn't there something wrong in this? I see it. Second Samuel 19 and 9. Now, all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? The survivors of Absalom's defeated army, the guys that said, we put Absalom over us. Well, now Absalom's dead. He's gone. They're starting to make their way back to Israel. And so they bumped into other Israelites on the way back, but it got them into an argument. They got in an argument with David's guys, kind of like Republicans and Democrats. You know, it's, let's say you just had an election. One guy lost, one guy won, but they all bump into each other. You know there's going to be a fight, okay? Adonijah lost. He's dead. He's gone. And so they bumped into the David's guys, and now they're all fighting about it. But the people who supported David were asking Why the leadership in Jerusalem was not making any effort to bring the king back to Jerusalem. How come they're not trying to help get our king back? All these people were going to meet David at the Jordan River to welcome him back. And they're wondering, where's the leadership effort to bring David back? That's why they ask the question here, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? My guess is that the elders in Jerusalem, they were too afraid of making the other side mad by saying that they supported the king. Its like a politician, typical politician reaction. "If I say this, then I'm going to make all these other people mad. But if I say that, then the other side's going to get mad, so they weren't saying anything. But people are asking, "How come you're not making any effort to bring the king back?" So when David heard about this, he decided to act. Second Samuel 1911. So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house, since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house? You are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? So he's asking the same question, how come you're not doing anything? We need to recognize that David did not ask them. If he could return, he didn't say, hey, guys, can I come back now? He's coming back. And he's like, why are you the last to ask me back? You do realize I'm coming, don't you? You do realize I'm coming back? How come you're not doing anything to facilitate my return? He says, I'm coming back. You should be looking for my return. Why are you the last ones to bring back the king? He's basically saying, if anything, you're supposed to be the first. You should be looking for me to come back. Wow. Now, David could have just marched back in and sat on the throne. But since the people were divided in half, he wanted the priest, the leadership, the elders to get on board with his return. Back me up. Legitimize my return in front of everybody. You need to say the king's coming back and you need to say it publicly. You need to profess the return of the king. Christian, are you hearing me? You need to profess out loud, don't be afraid, oh, it's going to hurt this group and hurt that group. He says, look, you should be saying something. Why are you the last ones? You should be calling for my return to come back. But they were quiet. They were quiet. And the king, King David, he had a problem with this. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no, we can't speak out. It might upset somebody. It might offend somebody. Does that sound familiar today? So David called them out on their silence. You should not be quiet. You need to be saying something. You need to tell people the king is coming back. <laughs> you see the Jesus parallel in this, I'm sure I hope. 2nd Samuel 19:13. And say to Amasa, "Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop! I, I, I th- th- that one bit me. Okay, did y'all see that? Joab just got fired. He just lost his job. Joab's out of there. I told you Joab was starting to get on David's nerves here. Yes. Maybe David did need to get up and go rally the people up, but it was the way Joab snapped at David, that condescending, disrespectful tone with no reverence to it. That, 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 that's baloney. That's not how you talk to a king. David wants to eliminate div- all the division and the troublemakers. He wants to get them out. Let's cause, let's put the trouble down. And so step one on David's list was for all the elders to back the return of the king. Okay, we just read that. But step two is remove the opposition. You got to get the uh, the opponents out of the way, the guys that stand in the way of the king returning. And so to build up his support, particularly from his own tribe of Judah, David ordered the priests to tell his nephew, Amasa, that he would take over as commander of the army from Joab. Oh, things are really getting deep now, aren't they? Now, this is not not just playing family favorites here, because Joab, uh, Amasa was the nephew, but Joab is too. Joab was also a, a nephew of David through a half-sister, if you look at 1 Chronicles 2 and 16. So they're both family, both Joab and Amasa. But Joab had become completely discredited in David's eyes. Da- David's like, I- I- I'm done with you, the way you're acting because Joab often he publicly disagreed with David's policies, David was fed up with it and so heads are starting to roll. Some people had to get fired. When people are insubordinate, they've got to be let go. Why? Because they inflame division. And so Joab's termination was a timely and it was a necessary action for the benefit of the people because David's trying to restore people together. There's a division. Some of the people that were under Absalom were upset. We lost Absalom, and some people were upset. Well, how come we haven't been asking David to come back? Everybody's got this big argument going. David needs to get everybody together, and the pot stirrers have got to go. you got to get rid of those people. So, did David's actions work, what he wanted to do here? Second Samuel nineteen fourteen. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king. Return you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shemai, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was born from Beharim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Zeba the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. Look, David's mission was successful. Everybody's helping him to come back. They're welcoming him. They're helping with transportation. They're supporting it. God works to uphold his covenant promise to David, doesn't he? He's working to keep that promise going. The king has returned and is being welcomed back by his own people. Judah, the people of Judah. But not only are his own people welcoming him back, but also a certain Benjamite. Did you see that? The Benjamite. You remember this guy, Shimei? And I hope I'm saying his name right to my Hebrew friends. If not, I'm a redneck Texan, and I just don't have that tongue, and I'm sorry, but I'll just keep rolling. (laughs) This is the guy, Shimei. That's the same exact guy that cursed David in chapter 16. Let me remind you of that. Second Samuel 16, 5. Now, when King David came to Bahirim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemai, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. So, guys, you remember Shemai, he yelled at David. He said, the Lord has given the kingdom to Absalom. It's not your kingdom. He gave it to Absalom. You bloodthirsty, caught in your own evil man. You know, it was just cussing him down but then shimei apparently now here in chapter 20 i'm sorry chapter 19 he realized all of a sudden wait a minute the king is coming back Uh uh-oh he's coming back and he's coming back soon and it put a great fear in him a great fear that caused him to understand that i'd better get right with this king and get right fast Oh, the king's about to take the throne of Jerusalem, and anybody that is still an enemy to him is going to be in big, big trouble. Second Samuel nineteen eighteen. Now Shimei the son of Gera fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, "Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant." Know that I have sinned, therefore here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my Lord the King. Well, that sounded very convincing, didn't it? Okay. Shimei. Shimei, okay, so <laughs> I told you, my, <laughs> okay, let's just go on. You you know where I stand already, y'all, okay? So Shimei apologized for his past behavior, and he begged the king. He goes, please don't hold this against me. I remember I cussed you out. I remember I said it should go to your son and all that. Don't hold it against me, please. Don't impute this iniquity to me. Don't pass that on to me, please. So this is a picture of somebody who is begging for forgiveness of their sins. Now, what do you think a covenant king is going to do when a sinner asks forgiveness? A covenant king is going to offer it to him. Second Samuel 19.21, But Abishai, the son of Zeria answered and said, Shall not Shemai be put to death for this, because he has cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said... What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeria, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. Friends, listen to this. Listen to this. The king was willing to put his sin away. The returning king said, I'll put his sin away in order to have peace with him. The king wanted peace with him. Friends, King Jesus is coming soon, and he wants peace with you. You need to realize he's coming back. He's not asking permission if he can come back. He's coming. You need to get right before your king. Second Samuel 19 and 24. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I to still cry out any more to the king? So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Zeba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, "Rather, let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house." <laughs> that is so exciting to read that. Let me let me go through that real quick. There's something wonderful just happened here. A couple chapters back, I went over how Ziba had brought all that provision to David. Remember that and he He cooked up this story about how Mephibosheth had supposedly betrayed David, and he was going to try to steal the throne for himself, because uh, Mephibosheth is a Benjamite, the same as the line of Saul. So he's like, no, man, Mephibosheth turned on you. He's still back there in Jerusalem. He's going to try to take the throne away from you. And that's why David asked him just now, he goes, how come you didn't come with me? Because David is thinking, well, yeah, you betrayed me, right? But this is a story that Ziba cooked up. He made it up about Mephibosheth. He did that to make himself look good in front of the king. He wanted to get a reward out of him. Have you ever had people try to cut you down to make themselves look better? I mean, you know, my opinion on that is if you want to look better, then go out and be better. You don't need to cut somebody else down to make yourself look better. But that's what Ziba did. He just wanted something out of David. But that's why Mephibosheth said that Ziba slandered him about being a traitor. David asked him, why didn't you come out and support me? Because David was believing Ziba's lie, but Mephibosheth never did betray David, nor did he try to steal the throne for himself at all. I want you to take notice of what the text says about Mephibosheth's appearance. It says his mustache was long and it was untrimmed, and he had not washed his clothes from the day he, that David had left until he returned again, Mephibosheth hadn't been taking good care of himself. He was dirty; his beard, his whiskers were long. And what this does for us, guys, is it gives us a timestamp, a point of reference set in time. What this means is this proves that Mephibosheth had not betrayed David. He's got the dirty clothes; his feet were unkept. He probably had long nails. His his mustache was trimmed. He hasn't been doing regular things that people normally do to for to keep up with themselves he was so under distress for david's safety that he didn't even t- spend time taking care of himself and the length of his whiskers was proof that ever since david left david i have been concerned about you see he did not betray david that was a lie and so he had tried if he had tried to steal the throne he wouldn't look like this if Mephibosheth had truly tried to steal the throne from David, he would have gotten very cleaned up, trying to prepare himself for royalty to look royal. Guys, Zeba lied about Mephibosheth. In fact, Zeba met David where? Where did he give David the provisions at? At the top of the mountain, way up at the top, past that mountaintop, to give David the provisions for his escape from Absalom. And I figure the reason he probably went all the way up there. Was because Ziba knew that Mephibosheth was disabled. He couldn't walk very well. He is, remember, he said, Your servant is lame. That means he couldn't walk too well. And so he went all the way up there on top of the mountain to give David provision to make himself look good. But he knows Mephibosheth wouldn't be able to get up at the top of that mountain to stop him in his lie. That's just terrible, isn't it? Ziba took advantage of Mephibosheth's disability and lied to David to try to gain a reward for himself. Oh, that's terrible. But I want you to look what Mephibosheth just said here now in chapter 19. He said, because David said, look, I gave everything to, to Ziba because I believed him. Now, why don't you two split it? And That would put Ziba in quite a position, wouldn't it? And I bet David's thinking, yeah, now Ziba has to answer to Mephibosheth. No, David told us to split the land. But look what Mephibosheth said. He said, let Ziba take all of it. Let him have it all. Let him have everything he wants. All I care about is that my king is back again. Oh my gosh, that is good. Mephibosheth didn't want worldly treasures. He didn't care about anything down here. All he cared about was, my king is back. That's all I care about. Let him take it all. Take it all. Have everything. My king is back. That's all I care about. Oh, Mephibosheth, I just love you, man. I can't wait to see Mephibosheth in heaven. We're going we're gonna to sit down and we're going to have a nice talk. I said, dude, you really inspired me. Thank you for that. <laughs> Second Samuel 19, 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rojalim and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, come across with me and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Shemhem. Let him cross over with my lord the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Shemhem, "'shall cross over with me, "'and I will do for him what seems good to you. "'Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you.' "'Then all the people went over the Jordan, "'and when the king had crossed over, "'the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, "'and he returned to his own place.'" Okay, guys, while David was away, when he was gone to escape from Absalom, Barzillai the Gileadite gave to the king straight out of his own pocket, He gave to the king. He didn't say, no, 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 this is my money. I'm keeping it because I need it for me. He realized, my king needs this. I'm going to give it. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry for life. You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life. You'll be on your way any day you decide to start.